0: I want to jump right into this this morning. You guys have your Bibles? Anyone Bibles? Anyone? Anyone? Yes? Got your Bibles? You can go ahead and flip to Revelation, which is perhaps probably the most understanding book of the Bible, of course. Um, go ahead and flip to Revelation. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, if you want to find it. And I'm going to read for you verse 1 through 4, Okay? All right, I'll read it for you. You guys listen, follow along, okay? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from, uh, from God out of heaven like a, beautiful, a, a bride beautifully dressed excuse me, for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Do you guys got it? Did you guys get it? Are we good? I could wrap up the service and go home today. You guys good? You want to go out to lunch? That was clear, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Now all I need you to get from that is this, okay? When I read that, just remember this one piece as I start this whole message, okay? How many cities came down from heaven? How many cities came down from heaven? Okay? I won't even answer it. You read it again if you want to look at it. How many cities came down from heaven? I want to continue. I've heard this joke, and it's, it's arguably, they say, the funniest religious joke ever created. When well, they did polls amongst people who are religious, this one ranked as the funniest joke ever. Okay, so I want to share it with you. Hopefully, it won't be so funny that someone will die here. Um, it says this, once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, and I said, don't do it. And he said, well, nobody loves me. And I said, well, God loves you. Do you believe in God? And he said, yes. Well, I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? And he says, I'm a Christian. And I said, well, me too. I said, are you Protestant or are you Catholic? And he said, I'm Protestant. And I said, me too. What franchise? And he said, I'm Baptist. And I said, me too. I said, are you Northern Baptist or are you Southern Baptist? And he says, I'm Northern Baptist. And I said, me too. I said, so wait, Northern Baptist, uh, Northern conservative Baptist or Northern liberal Baptist? And he said, I'm Northern conservative Baptist. And I said, me too. So are you Northern conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region, or are you Northern conservative Baptist, Eastern region?' And he said, I'm Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lake Region. And I said, me too. I said, are you Northern Baptist Great Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? Or are you the the Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879? And he said, I'm a Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And I said, die, heretic. And I pushed him off the bridge. Mm-hmm that's just me exactly to say that the christian church is divided is an understatement nowadays it is speculated get this right now that there are approximately 38000 different christian denominations not different religions 38000 different christian denominations I'm not saying that somewhere along the line some of these weren't actually God-orchestrated. I believe that some of them, talking about stuff like the Reformation, I think some of those things were necessary that happened in the church to create some more uh, clarity, and I I think that some of those things were great. But, all that being said, I think that this perpetually dividing, dividing, dividing looks a lot less like a a God plan and a lot more like a military strategy. Perhaps you know of it. It's one of the oldest and most simple military strategies ever implemented. It's called Divide and Conquer. It's been in place for years and years and years. They find that in military situations, a gigantic mass of people is extremely hard to defeat. It is hard to beat a huge wave of people. However, if you can separate them out into small groups, it's easy to pick them off one by one by one. Divide and Conquer. I believe that the Christian church has been divided and split up as a work of God's enemy, Satan to make it easier to defeat. Think about this. We, can't stri- we no longer share strategy, encouragement, resources, people, or prayer. And the Christian church has never been as divided as it is today. Think about how much is wasted, just for a minute. Think about how much is wasted. Every Christian group having their own building. Every Christian group having their own this, having their own this. Just the resource that's wasted. When it comes to these divisions, though, it really isn't anything new. You think, well, maybe this whole idea of, of denominations, it actually, the denomination idea is, is fairly new. But the idea of, of divisions inside the church is not. It's been happening all the way back since Bible times. Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. If you guys want to turn there, or I'll read it to you, Okay. It says this, uh, this is Paul's words to the church of Corinth, which when it, if you ever read in these books, if you ever notice where it says, um, you know, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, there's uh, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all these different ones. Those were actually cities. And when he says, I'm writing to the church, he was writing to all the people inside that city that were Christians, basically. Um, so here's what he says to the Corinthians. the Corinthians. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household, this is a woman who was in Corinth, have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, Well, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided up into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth, and interestingly enough, this takes place only about 20 years after Jesus went back to heaven. Only about 20 years into this game, the church is already dividing up. And Paul says, you need to knock that off. He says, I'm not the one who died for you. Apollos was another man who followed after Paul, and Apollos was actually said to be a better speaker than, a, than Paul was. He was a person who could rally people. And it says that even some people were saying, I follow Peter, which, of course, was you know, one, of the, one of the main disciples, so maybe some people thought he had more of a corner on the market. And then he said there's others that say, I only follow Christ. And if you really read into that, what they really mean is that they submit to no authority. It wasn't that they're more Christian than anyone else. They just hated to look, be underneath of anybody and submit to anybody. And he says, You guys are already all dividing up. This is not the plan. Basically, if you had to go back to it, it's kind of like he was giving them a smack, smack in the face, and saying, Cut it out. Cut it out. Stop dividing. Stop saying you're here and you're here. You guys are brothers and sisters, it wasn't God's plan. Um, Romans 16, 17 through 18. Don't, you guys don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it for you. In the, in the same vein, he's talking. He says, And now I make one more appeal, dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. He says, people who come and they try to divide you, saying, well, this and this, and they and you try to create these divisions. He says, don't have any part of them. He's because that's not God's plan. To liken it to this, what Paul was saying is God's your father, and it's just like a mom or dad. Brothers, sisters, they might disagree, but they don't split up. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, you encourage your kids. It doesn't matter whether or not you like your brother or sister or not. They're your brother or they're your sister, and you don't turn your back on them. It's the same basic thing he's saying. He says these people are your brothers and sisters. Even if you don't agree with everything they're saying, you can't just turn your back on them. They're your brothers and your sisters. The problem, though, is this. People get caught up in the small details. In the very, very small details. And that's what creates the problem. There's a, a quick verse on this, and you guys don't have to turn there because it's literally one verse I'm going to read you. Uh, but in 1 Timothy 1.4, uh, this is Paul talking to Timothy, who is like his, his, uh, his understudy, kind of. And he says, Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myth and spiritual pedigrees, these things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. He says, the people who you're pastoring, because that's what Timothy basically took over an area that Paul had started. He says, the one thing you've got to watch out for is don't let them spend all their time talking about all this garbage, about all these different things they debate, about all the things that they disagree on. He says, don't let them talk about these spiritual pedigrees of all this and, and trying to figure out these super deep things and, and divide over these controversies. He says, that's not the point. He says, you need to make sure that you rein them in and you say that those things, although they might be cool, they're meaningless. And all they do is they lead you farther away from the root, which is simplicity. Jesus Christ is our salvation. And he says, you've got to make sure that you watch for that. People get caught up on the small things. And we see this in churches nowadays, too. The smallest little belief separates Christians. And we no longer think of them as brother or sister. Even so, um, Christians will just get caught up in in one church. They don't realize the fact that God exists outside of the four walls of their church. Believe it or not, there's more Christians than what's sitting right here right now with us. Or in another church somewhere else. Or in another denomination. Believe it or not, there's people outside of that denomination who actually are going to get to heaven someday. someday. And people can't get out of that. This is the only church. This is the only place. And this is all they care about. But the reality is, is that the Christian church is much bigger than that. Oftentimes we use the capital C in front of church. Instead of C-H-U-R-C-H in lowercase, we use a capital C church to represent the universal church of Christ. If you ever see that in writing, that's usually what they're talking about. When they capitalize church, they mean all of us who are Christians. But people focus on these small things, just like Paul was saying to Timothy. Instead of focusing on these gigantic, huge similarities that we share. Here's the deal. At Acts Church, and this morning this is why why I'm sharing with you because I always, at least a few times a year, I want to talk to you about our vision, and this is one of our core values right here. The church, not Acts Church. At Acts Church, we want to forget the little things that separate us as Christians and instead focus on the gigantic things that unify us. That's what we want to be our focus we want to work with other churches because when we work together, we can see more happen than we could ever do on our own. This is our litmus test. If you're wondering, how are we going to decide, is a church someone that we can work with or not? Here it is, John 14:6. Please, God, please, God, before I go any farther, please, God, I pray to you that you would please let people be listening for the last month. Does anybody know what John 14:6 is? Because I've said it to you for like five weeks straight. What is John 14:6? Somebody, please. Please. Oh God, you're breaking my heart. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. Real quick. You guys have a Bible, you guys have an app. Go to John 14:6, underline it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. John 14:6, John 14:6, John 14:6. Put it in your memory, OK? Cornerstone of our faith. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, okay? Really, really important you guys get that. Jesus is showing who he is. I am the way, the only way. We believe the fact that although there are many other religions, they are not all equal. Jesus says that he is the only way to the Father, to heaven. That he is the truth, and that means that we believe that he is whole truth. Truth cannot be subjective, and what I mean is if this is true, then the opposite cannot be true, And he says, I am the only truth, meaning that other ideas of truth are not, that he is the one truth. And he says that he is the life, meaning the fact that he is truly the giver and developer of life. He's the only one who's ever defeated death and he's the one who controls life. That's a cornerstone of us as faith and Christians. It should be your cornerstone of what you believe in Jesus. It's not about religion, but here's the deal. If people believe these three gigantic things, That Jesus is the way, the only way. The truth, the only truth. The life, the only life. We want to work together with that church to bring more glory to Jesus Christ. Are we going to have differences in opinions? Oh yeah. Are we going to have differences in how we think we should do church? Oh yeah. Huge differences. Are we going to have differences in what we think about small details and theology? Of course we are. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have things that they say, I believe this, and I'm going to say, I believe the exact opposite of that. The exact opposite. But the reality is, is there are things that we have that are, that are small that we do not need to get caught up on. Real quick, I mean, I mean, real quick, right? Do any of you guys have brothers, sisters, moms, dads that you disagree with on a few points? Yeah, right? But do you stop loving them and stop sharing with them because you disagree on a few things? No, you guys are still family, And that's what God is saying, that's what they're saying through Paul, is we're still family. And those small things can't drive a wedge between us where we can't work together anymore. The big thing we need to do is we need to put on love. I love this uh, quote. It's by Rupertus Mendelis. And it says, In the essentials, we need unity. In the the non-essentials, we need freedom. But in all things, we need love. I think that's terrific. Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life, essentials if you don't agree with that we're on a completely different wavelength we're not the same you're not our brothers and sisters because you don't understand it but on those little things we need freedom for people to be able to develop their own faith in those different areas we have that same strategy with our belief here there's different beliefs that you can take on doctrine they have what they call creedal doctrine and confessional doctrine creedal doctrine is we write down every detail of our doctrine and that's what we believe Confessional doctrine is what we take, is we have main points. These are the things we're never going to buckle on, and we understand that people disagree about a few of these other things. We call them our closed and open-handed beliefs. Closed beliefs, I got a death grip on, and you're not going to pry them out of my hand unless you kill me. Those are the things I'm willing to die for about my faith. Open-hand beliefs, things that we can discuss. We can talk about these. And there's a lot of open-handed beliefs in Christianity as well, too, and they don't need to separate us. At Acts Church, we've decided this, that we're not going to speak poorly of other churches. When we hear about other churches, whatever it might be, we refuse to speak poorly of that church. We refuse. If someone says something poor to us, we're not going to take there and listen to it. We're going to say, you know what? I don't need to hear that. We'll immediately think the best about other churches instead of thinking the worst. Because we're all skeptical, aren't we? First time you meet somebody, the first thing you think is all the bad things they could be. And then slowly you let them prove the fact that they're actually good. We should be the opposite way around. We should think the good about them and then let them prove us wrong. That's how we're going to take with churches. Our first stance is that they're good. And then if they want to prove the fact that they don't believe the way, the truth, the life, then they can change our opinion. We will agree to disagree, but we will not destroy friendships with other churches. There's things that we're going to say, listen, we don't believe the same as you do but that doesn't mean we can't still be friends. It doesn't mean we can't work together to glorify Jesus Christ. And we'll recommend other churches if you aren't our style. And I mean that 100%. If you come to Axe Church, friends come to Axe Church, and you say, you know what? This isn't my thing. We have a lot of really great relationships with churches in the area. Come talk to somebody and ask, where are some other good churches? Our team will not be offended you saying this isn't my style. We'll give you a, a, na- a list of different people. Darren can attest to this. First day Darren came, I met him in the back and I said, "I hope you like it. If you don't, and I said, "You want to go on, talk to me first though because I can recommend some really great churches I know in this area that might fit your style better. We're in this together. Here's the deal. We need each other. We need each other as the church. You think it might be easy for a brand new church like us. Listen, we're, we're less than a year old as a church. And it might be easy for us, new church, I'm young, right, so I think I know everything, of course, right? People keep saying that about people gossip and stuff. It might be easy for us to think we have the plan, but that's not the case. It's not the case. We understand that we can't do this alone. In First Corinthians 12, uh, starting in, in verse 12 in that, if you want to turn there. It says this The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that are the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such an extra honor and care with such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. There's a really, really uh, interesting analogy in that, isn't it? He talks all about this body. And as he goes through it, and he lists out all this different stuff about our human body. Basically, it's true, right? I understand the fact... Listen, girls, how many more times do you get your nails painted than your fingers on average? Twice as much? Three times as much? Your your fingernail's got to be pretty, right? But there's a lot of times in the wintertime you can just slide those shoes into a pair of shoes and no one has to know if those those toenails aren't done, right? It's the truth. Our feet get a lot less value than our hands, don't they? You go and you get a manicure, your hands got to be beautiful, you moisturize all that, but sometimes you don't even think about your poor feet down there. But your hands can't say to your feet, I don't need you. Because then they'd have to walk on the ground and they'd be ugly too. That's what it's saying. Is that each member of our body has a specific purpose. And what he brings us back to is this. That is the body of Christ. We as Christians, we are all members of this body of Christ. And be it Acts Church, be it another church, be it different denominations, be it, you know, Protestant, Lutheran, all these different pieces of the body, he says they all have their place. They all have their place in God's church in that body. And he says, you can't say to the other ones, we don't need you, because we're in this together. X-Church makes this promise, and, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We will not compete with other churches. We're not against each other. We're with each other. We're not competing against other churches. We're working with each other to try to bring more people to Christ. We'll celebrate when things go well in other churches, and we'll mourn when things go bad in other churches. Because we're in this together. It says that when one suffers, all suffer. When one's honored, all are honored. If we begin to see the breakthrough, because the people who started this church, the people who are the foundation, the reason why we did it wasn't to start a church, not to create a body so that we could be like, oh, this is fun on Sunday mornings. We did it because we want to see people in this area come to know Jesus, and there is a lot of people who need to know him. If the breakthrough that we pray for in LaSalle in the Illinois Valley comes, but it comes through a different church, we will rejoice all the same. We will rejoice all the same. As long as people are coming to know Jesus, they're getting plugged in and they're falling in love with him, that excites us. And that makes us happy. It doesn't have to happen here. It just needs to happen. We're in this together, and I think that churches who think they're competing, it's because they have a very, very small-minded look at what they're part of. Check this out. In LaSalle, Peru alone, there's 20,000 people. In LaSalle County, there's 120,000 people. Now let's say that a really, really super effective church, and I mean a really super effective church, could maybe reach what, like 1,000 people? That means we'd need 20 in LaSalle, Peru. 20 super effective churches to actually effectively reach this area. We would need 120 in LaSalle County. And we're not a super effective church yet. We're not. So, how many more do we need to actually be able to efficiently spread the gospel across this city? We need more, not less there's more churches coming here, we need them. We're not going to do a good enough job on our own. Listen, I'm in this, and I have passion, and I hope you guys are too, but how many people could we reach on a week and actually communicate Jesus to? Only a handful, and we'll be dead before we possibly reach all this city. We need more people, more people, different churches working together to share Jesus Christ in this area. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, if you guys want to turn there. And this is Paul talking. He says this, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. One. He says, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over, in, and through all. How many churches are there really supposed to be? One. There's really supposed to be one Christian church. How many is there going to be? Well, let's look back to how we started this verse, this whole entire message. I read to you in Revelation. And that's at the end of times, after the whole world has ended and God recreates the earth, how many cities came out of heaven? One. One city came out of heaven. There wasn't a city for this denomination, a city for that denomination, a city for that church, a city for this church. One city. When all this is over, when we've all died and passed on and gone into eternity, and someday the end comes, we're all going to be in one church anyway. So we better get used to it. You better get used to it. We're all going to be in this together for eternity. Every different group, all of us Christians from different thoughts and different patterns. If we believe John 14:6, he is the way, the truth and the life and we understand that salvation, those small issues, those are going to get figured out. And someday we're all going to be in heaven together and all back on this earth together. One church. We are not against other churches at Acts Church. We are with them. And I hope you put that into you. Put that into your spirit this morning. We're not against other churches. We're not disappointed when great things happen at other churches. We're excited. We're in this together with them. You, each and every one of you this morning, and I'm serious about this, stop speaking bad of other churches if you do it. If you talk bad about other churches, you stop today. And you don't do it anymore. If people talk bad to you about other churches, you stop listening. When people start gossiping to you, it's not being rude. And you say, listen, I just really don't want to hear that. I'm more than just part of my church. I'm part of the church and they're they're brothers and sisters. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. We need to stop gossiping. Stop talking about other churches. Start believing the good. And I want to introduce something to you this morning that we're going to work on as a church. Um... I've been, really, I've been really, really encouraged as a church with us. Because since starting, some awesome stuff has happened. Very awesome stuff. I'm wearing one of them, okay? Um, awesome stuff has been happening. And this isn't about our church, but it's about what God wants to do. I believe that God called our church here. God called our church here to unify churches. More than just to start Acts and start a community like what we have here. Because I, I know you guys, this fits my style. Acts fits my style. I feel comfortable here. I feel like people of all different types, people who have, you know, all different backgrounds. I, I love our church. Look how eclectic our church is. I mean, so many different backgrounds, so many different looks, ages, everything. And that's what I love about church. I love when it looks like that. That excites me. And this is my church. I can tell this is my church. But I believe one of our callings at Acts Church why we were brought here why we're no denominational ties, While we're simply a community of Christians, is that we're supposed to unify churches in this area again. What I want to share with you is an idea that we have that we're going to push this next forward, and it's called Hope LP. It's a brand new idea that we have. It's been something that God's been birthing in my heart for almost a year now. And it's a way in which we're going to get churches in this area to stop fighting against each other and start fighting together for the people out in this world. Here's the basic rundown of it, and you're going to hear a lot more of it in this next year, okay? But hope is a really great word. It means to expect confidently, to expect confidently. And as far as I can see right now, I think that for most people in this community, I don't really, I couldn't say that they have hope in their churches, do they? Can they expect confidently that that church is going to be the place that's going to help them out, that's going to change the city? I don't think so. What we need to do is we need to restore our community's hope in the church. Not in one church, but in the church. In the Christian church, we need to restore our community's faith. That the church is the place where you go when you have issues. The church is the place that's actually changing this. The church is the one good source that's actually taking this place and not letting it go to hell, but it's it's propping it up and it's praying it forward. It's making it better. That's what the church is supposed to be. What Hope LP is about is to focus right now on just LaSalle, Peru. But it's to get churches together, not to focus on the fact that we share all the same similarities, because we don't. Not to get together and just focus on how we could do church together, because that's not the point, because we we'll disagree on everything, to be completely honest, all the different ways that we do church. But we agree on this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there are thousands outside of our church walls that need to know that. And what we're going to unify on is them, not on ourselves, because we have so many differing opinions. But what we're going to unify on is those that are lost that need to hear about Jesus Christ. What we're going to do is is I'm going to spend this next um, coming semester and I'm going to talk to all the different pastors in this community. I have friendships with a lot of them, but I'm going to make friendships with the rest of them and every single church in this community is going to be invited to be a part of this. And what it's going to be focused on is getting together to do things for this community that change it. Really, really simply, we're going to get together in the, in the winter and we're going to do a big gift day. Christmas care, have you guys ever heard about it? The United Way did it. They quit it and they gave it to our church to run with. They said, you guys take it because we think that you can do it because they saw that we did Mega Drop. We're going to partner with other churches and we're going to run that event. We're going to give more kids a Christmas than United Way ever did and we're going to create more generosity in this area than anyone's ever seen. We're going to get together in the spring as churches and we're going to clean this city up. We're going to get all the churches together and we're going to walk through these streets. We're going to walk all up and down the in Peru, and we're going to clean this place up and say we believe in this city and we believe that it should be better and we're here to help. And we're going to get together in the summer and we're going to come together for no other reason than to pray and say that we refuse to fight against each other anymore and instead we're going to fight together to change this area for Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask all these pastors to be part of this and for churches to join up across the city and realize that there's no point in us anymore casting stones at each other because there's a far bigger enemy to fight, and that's Satan and his plans for this area. I don't know if you guys have looked around, okay? But there's definitely a war going on in this city. There's been more issues. I mean, I know people in this this congregation right here because we have real people. I know people who know how bad the drug scene is in this area. I know people who know how bad, I mean, take a look at how bad the... The housing is in LaSalle. Tons of houses falling into disrepair. People losing their houses. There's a battle going on here. And as churches, we need to get together and say, we're no longer going to cast stones at each other. We're going to change this area. Here's the hope, okay? Here's the hope. It's not about a one-year goal. It's not about doing this for a year and seeing a change. It's about creating a change in a community that lasts forever. This is my hope. We start this, and we start it in our hearts today, that we believe in this sharing with other churches and working with them. More and more churches keep getting on board with this and saying, we're with this too. And what my hope is, is in five years, in ten years, this whole community looks completely different. When people come to this area, they're going to say, why is it that LaSalle, Peru looks different than all the other areas around here? Or maybe as we expand to the Illinois Valley, that people are going to come and say, why does this area look different than somewhere half an hour down the road? It's because the churches refuse to start fighting and they instead came together to change something. I believe it, and I think this is a God plan that he's put on. So what I want to do this morning is, is I hope I've shared vision with you. This is our vision as we go forward. It's the church. It's not Axe Church. I hope you guys get plugged in, and I want you guys to be here because one of the best ways we can help the Big C Church is to help our church. I hope you guys get plugged in. We're going to have opportunities for you guys to volunteer. That's why I give them to you. We're going to have opportunities for you guys to serve inside of this church so you guys can make um, the, the place basically more applicable and more accessible for people who are coming in who don't know Jesus. But also as well that our mindset stays bigger than just Acts Church. That we're part of this as Christians and we're going to change this city. We're going to change our surrounding for Jesus Christ. This morning I want to pray together. And um, I've done this before and and I really mean it. What I want you to do is this morning, for real, for real, okay? And it's okay if you're not. It's okay if you're not, but if this morning for real you say, this is my heart, and I want to be part of this. Hope is what I want in my heart. I want this to happen. I want to make Jesus's name more famous working with other churches. I want to see this area transformed by Christ. If it's not, don't, but if that's your heart this morning, okay, stand with me, and I'm going to pray together, okay? Go ahead and stand if it is. God, I thank you so much for this morning. And Jesus Christ, I thank you for those who are standing. God, what I pray to you right now, Lord, is that you take this thought right now or this feeling that's in our heart and you just wrap it in steel, God. Lord, it's easy for us as humans to forget stuff. It's easy for us to walk out of this place and stop letting it affect our heart. But what I pray to you, God, is that you would lock it in there. I pray to you that that feeling we have in our heart, that thought we have in our mind, that you would lock it inside of us, Lord, like a steel cage, that it can't get out. And I pray to you, God, we could not forget this call. But instead, God, that this vision that you have given would become part of who we are. Lord God, I pray to you that you would give us strength, Lord, to deal with people's jeers, Lord God, to deal with people criticizing And Lord, instead stand and say that we will not join the fray of complaining about churches. We will not talk bad about them because we're here together to change this area. Lord, I pray to you that in our hearts you would just bring a fire. Lord God, not just about ourselves, but instead we'd say, it's not all about me getting spiritually fat as a Christian, but it's about who I can share the message of Jesus with. I pray to you, Jesus Christ, that you would change our hearts. God, and I pray to you, That in the future, when we look back at this day, Lord God, that when Hope LP started, we would look back and say, that's the day it began to change. That was the day it began to change. And our city has never been the same since. It's in your name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen.